Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good morning everyone and welcome to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. Jordan Oppett here filling in for Frankie Mackay. Many of you will know me as a TVNZ One News sports reporter. And look, I tell you what, if you're a young woman out there, it's never been a more exciting or enticing time to pick up a cricket bat and get down to the nets. The under-19s are currently at the World Cup. The White Ferns are about to kick off their World Cup campaign too in South Africa. The women's IPL is all go. Confirmed five teams which collectively sold for close to one billion New Zealand dollars. So who better to chat to than a woman who's helped pave the way for women's cricket both here and around the world. The first women's cricketer here in New Zealand to be inducted into the ICC Hall of Fame. Former New Zealand cricket president, Canterbury legend and one of the most remarkable women I know, Debbie Hockley. Good morning Debbie. Oh, Morena, Jordan. Well, firstly, Debbie, big news out this week that there's now a medal with your name on it that will be, that'll be yes. presented to the top female cricketer, exactly the same as Sir Richard. I mean, what does that mean to you? Um, look, I've been actually. I said to I said to Willie from New Zealand Cricket. I was looking. I was actually looking up synonyms for honoured and humbled and things because they're such blooming cliches, aren't they? But it, it is actually how I feel. I, I feel incredibly privileged and quite humbled. I, I was kind of blown away when David White uh, rang me and said that this is what they had proposed. So I, do, I just do feel an enormous sense of privilege. There's, there's been lots of other cricketers who've played the game uh, other than me, but to have my name associated with this top award for the females, um, it's it is very special, and, and I do I, I do feel I, I do feel very privileged to you know have have my name on a medal um, you know alongside Sir Richard who who is a really good mate of mine and and every time I've been to the cricket awards and the Sir Richard Hadley's medals awarded at the end of the awards night I think gosh that's it's such a cool thing to honour him and I guess that uh, you know my my name will be on the on the medal for probably, hopefully, years to come. Does this also mean that you have a lifetime VIP invite to the Glitz and Glam Cricket Awards? Well, I jolly well better. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, as I have noted in the time when I was president and got to go to the awards when they were on, and, I, and by the way, I think this is the first time in three years that the um, ANZ Awards have been on in person, which will be it'll be such a delight to have everyone back in the room. So, um, so yeah, look, it's go, it's going to be fabulous, and uh, I am certainly hoping that myself and Mandy will probably get invited every year, but like Sir Richard and I do, so that um, 
we can get to present those medals ourselves. So that's just an, an, that's a, that's a cherry on top, basically. Very well deserved as well. Hey, look, what an exciting time as well to be a female in sport, but particularly cricket. What do you make of, I guess, the evolution and opportunities that have popped up in the last 12 months? Wow, you could you could almost say in about the last twelve weeks, wouldn't you, with the yeah. the under nineteen women's World Cup um, taking place for the first time had been delayed by COVID, uh, taking place in South Africa currently, and and our own New Zealand under nineteen team are playing India uh, in one of the semi-finals tonight. So I just uh, pressed the record button on uh, Sky TV uh, before I left this morning. They're playing at nine o'clock. I understand tonight. So not only is the um, you know inaugural under-19 tournament taking place, but just yesterday news of the very first uh, Indian Premier League for women. Uh, it's called the Women's Premier League. That's taking place with five franchise teams, and, and that's starting. Uh, it, my understanding is that that is going to take place directly after the uh, Women's T20 World Cup, which is yet another thing, uh, which is, uh, happening from the 10th to the 26th of February. So, gee, I, t- I tell you, isn't it, it, it you know, w- women's sport this year, Jordan, it rocks, doesn't it? Just with the, mm. with the Women's Rugby World Cup, with the Women's Football World Cup, um, exciting times. And just to touch a bit more on that, those IPL teams, they all collectively nearly sold for close to $1 billion New Zealand dollars. Can you believe that? Not really. I think it's uh, it, it. You know, I've seen people describe it as a watershed moment, and, and it and it really is. Um, I think you know we've all seen the how the um, the men's IPL. You know, just just the the money and the excitement involved with that, and you know, regardless of the money, because I suspect that uh, there'll be some 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 good coin on offer for female cricketers. Um, when their auctions take place. I, I, I don't actually know how the teams get selected. I haven't read that far yet, but I'm assuming that they will have some sort of auction process like the men do. So it is a watershed moment, I think, you know, you know to, to pretty much have equal footing um, with the men's IPL in India. It's, it's you know, it, it's really a, a pinnacle event in the women's game, um, along with the other world tournaments that we have. And I guess you, you sort of touched on it then, but when you were playing Debs, did you ever think we'd be in this position where not only our women are paid, but paid well, and have just about equal opportunities to the men? Uh, to be honest, probably not. I mean, it was, you know, because I've now not played cricket for longer than I did play cricket. So, um, you know, 20, 23, 22 years ago was when I finished playing, and I think when we, when we, you know, my last year of playing, when we, when we had the 2000 World Cup in New Zealand, I mean, it's the type of thing where you, you think, gosh, that would be, that would be lovely if it happened. But I, I guess that at the time, you know, like when I was playing and, and my teammates were playing, we were just really focused on doing the best that we could with what we had. And you always, you always think it would be nice to have more money available in terms of. Um, recompensing for lost wages and things. But in saying that, I, you know, I still played um, in an era uh, where, you know, we got um, 
know, we got allowances for food and things like that when we were away. And, and when you when you have nothing and you get something, that's pretty cool. So it's just been a it's probably been a natural evolution, I think. Yeah, and you and your teammates are a big reason why the game's where it is today. Are you guys? I mean, do you talk about it often? And I, I guess, are you proud of how far the women's games come? Oh yeah, immensely, and especially from from my point of view, I suppose um, I am really proud of New Zealand cricket. And clearly, you know, with with um, having had that role as president for six years, I I got to see the inside workings, and, I, and I'm really proud of the fact that New Zealand cricket owned up. Um, when the Sarah Beeman report came out, to not having um, perhaps dedicated as much time to the the women in cricket side of things as um, should have been done. I was proud of them for just owning up. And, and I think the amount of work that has been done in that space, uh, you know, in the last six or seven years has been phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really proud of where things are, you know, there are always things that we still could be doing, but you know, with with having an under nineteen team over at the World Cup, to me, that's that's you know really where we need to keep focusing that level plus the levels underneath, so that we keep um, you know producing players that compete for places in the side. I think that you know that that's something that we still need to get to is where we have so many people competing for places in the white fern side that it keeps everyone honest the whole time and really striving to be the very best that they can be so that we can uh, get back to the world stage of producing good results and and hopefully with the you know with the under 19s hopefully that they will go further in their tournament but also with the white ferns a good chance for them at the the world t20 um uh, World Cup in uh, South Africa, a really good chance for them to, to build on that you know bronze medal success they had at the Commonwealth Games and the T20 competition. I know that they'll be wanting to do well. Yeah, and I guess because those under-19 tournaments are the breeding ground for the future white ferns and black caps too, so it's so important in terms of depth and development. Mm. I was talking to Paul Wiseman about it a couple of weeks ago when the men were here in Christchurch for the Nationals, and um, yes. yeah, he just said a massive year ahead for for both the women and the men in that respect. Obviously, we've touched on the under-19 women. They're at crunch time now. They've been doing so well this tournament, but the white ferns have also just arrived in South Africa for their World Cup. How do you rate their chances? Uh, I think that they will be absolutely wanting to get to the final of this tournament. Tough ask. Um, I suspect that they will just be focusing on, you know, getting getting out of their pool. That's the the number one focus to me for them. Uh, will be trying to make the semi-finals. Um, if you don't make the semi-finals, you can't get to a final. They'll be just really wanting to see if they can uh, have good performances right from the, the very first game. Uh, I think that if I'm correct, someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but South Africa's in their pool, so that'll probably be uh, a game that they really need to win. I, I'm sure that they've got three warm-up games against uh, England, and then they have a couple of uh, official warm-up games before the tournament starts, so that'll be great if they can get five games under their belt where they can... Uh, try out their what what's probably a reasonable set combination. Um, so my my wish is that in the first instance that they get to the semi-finals and uh, and then they can go from there. 
and you're heading over. Tell me about that. Are you allowed to? <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, do you mean, am, I, am I allowed to go? Yes, I have been allowed to go, which is great. <laughs> I've, not, I've not been banned. Um, yes, I'm, look, I'm lucky enough to have got another gig um, through the International Cricket Council and Sunset and Vine, who are their television production company. So, you know, I've, I've been fortunate that I've had four opportunities at commentating for women's uh, World Cups, whether it's been 50 overs or T20. Um, and, yeah, lucky enough to get another gig this year, so I'm heading off on Tuesday week and looking forward to having the opportunity of um, being amongst other really good commentators, especially lots of other female commentators. I've really enjoyed that environment about being around other, um, you know, excellent um, female... They're role models for me, really, because, uh, you know, commentating's not my main job, um, it's a secondary thing for me, but I, you know, any time I get an opportunity, I'm I'm really grateful for a start, and um, and I just try and put my best foot forward, not make too many stuff ups, and um, you know, be a be an advocate for the women's game. And you are that completely. Look, we've got to let you go because uh, you've got a busy morning ahead, don't you? And I want to share with people because you're such a delight. There are very few people that would say. I've got to get through this interview by this time because I've got to head and do this beautiful volunteering work. So tell us what you're doing, Debs. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm driving, um, hands-free of course, um, I'm driving <laughs> out to the SBCA in Christchurch where I've been uh, doing a bit of volunteering for this amazing organisation. SBCA has always been very, very dear to my heart and um, because I've been uh, working a, a bit more part-time this year, uh, had a bit of time, so Went out there, did some volunteering, and have ended up um, volunteering in their farmyard, um, which has been very cool. It's mostly been working with horses, um, and really I've given myself the unofficial title of Chief Pooper Corrupper because when <laughs> I go out there, the majority of the times they, you know, they 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 might have um, eight horses and ten mini horses out there, and they, believe me, they poo a lot. And uh, so someone someone has to pick it up. So, but today I've got a promotion, and, and uh, I'm going to take one of the SPCA vehicles um, out uh, to a farm somewhere to collect some hay uh, in their horse float. I've not driven the horse float yet, so we'll see how that goes. It'll be fine, SPCA, if you're listening. But uh, to pick up some hay, some hay to take back to the centre. So, uh, look, I've actually I, I've loved it, Jordan. It's um, it's one of those things that when you you know when you do volunteer, you realise how much it helps the people who work there and the SPCA are they're an amazing organisation they work so hard and um, to care for animals because you know basically every animal that has come into their care has unfortunate circumstances so I admire them so much and and it's been um, it's been something I've really enjoyed being able to give them a little bit of my time so thanks for the plug yeah Oh, can I? Sorry, I'm just interrupting the um, no. interrupting you. Even though, even though it's your show, but um, <laughs> you know, if any if, if any other people, um, you know, uh, are thinking they've got some spare time and they want to volunteer, get a hold of your local SBCO organisation because they're always looking for volunteers um, and for foster parents as well. You're Thank such you. a delight, Debbie. Thank you so, so much for your time. Beautiful message there at the end to finish as well. And safe travels to South Africa. I wish I could come in your suitcase. Uh, exactly. I need a big suitcase, Jordan, if you don't mind me saying it. I was only going to take carry-on, but I might have to expand it now. So. <laughs> I think very, look, thanks very much.
jag får tjäna dig. Cheers. Right, time for your local sports update. Thanks to Trident Homes, designed for living, built for life. Canterbury sprinter Tian Welton has now twice equaled his 100-metre sprint record with a time of 10.18. It's the exact same time he ran 12 months ago to put his name into the history books. The Crusaders, with the help of support staff and friends of the club, have run 153 laps of Rugby Park, where they train in near-30-degree heat, I might add, all in the name of raising funds for child cancer. This comes on top of the 15000 they have gifted to charity after winning Australasia's Team of the Year again before Christmas. Now 153 laps is 153 k's. The South Island's top age group rowers will descend on Lake Ruatanifa in Twizel for the annual South Island Rowing Champs. For club rowers, it's their last big regatta ahead of nationals. Likewise for schools heading to the Māori Cup, which is this year held in the North Island at Lake Karapiro. It changes every year. The All Blacks have been in town this week for a beginning of the year camp. While it was behind closed doors, we did get a glimpse via social media and you'll be pleased to know our Cantabs had some new PBs, including Prop Fletcher Newell with a squat of 272.5 kilograms. And the big news, ladies and gentlemen, the first four of concrete's gone down on the brand new Tikaha Stadium. About time. That's your local sports update. Thanks to Trident Homes, proud supporters of the Trident Home Tactics. Check out their modern home plans at tridenthomes.nz. It's time for Frankie's Five. Right, for Frankie's Fill in Five this week, I've picked my five major locally held sports events to get jazzed about. Number one, over Waitangi weekend, Christchurch will host the Davis Cup tennis tournament and a Group 1 playoff event versus Bulgaria. It's the first time we've been able to host the tournament, which is one of New Zealand's longest standing sports events anyway, in two years due to COVID, and it's back to Wilding Park outdoors. Two, the Coast to Coast. It's back in its full glory with no COVID restrictions this year after a scaled-back year in 2022. It's become almost a rite of passage for multi-sport athletes from around the world, with over 20,000 people having competed in the 40 years to date. Many of the big names return for the longest day, which is the 243k journey from Kamara Beach to New Brighton Beach in a single day. For the two-day event in tandem, Richie McCaw's back, Reedy from Bondi Rescue, and I've also heard Wyatt Crockett's going to be in the mix too. That's a bit of a throwback. Uh, Three... It may only be pre-season, but the Warriors are back in town mid-Feb playing the Melbourne Storm. It's their first game back in the Garden City in four years after being forced to base themselves in Aussie for three years. The newly renamed One New Zealand Vodafone Warriors are celebrating their permanent homecoming by taking games to the region. How good. For the most successful team in Super Rugby history, I wonder who I'm talking about, will play host to the first match of the season on the 24th of Feb at Orange Theory Stadium, taking on the Chiefs. Just FYI, it's 11 titles if you're wondering, but who's counting? Only ever, every Cantab ever. And the Christchurch-based women's Super Rugby Opiki team, Matatu, will play the following day in Dunedin. And last but not least at five, Sail GP. It's coming to Littleton Harbour. Now, this is huge for Christchurch. It's our first major sailing event to be held uh, and potentially the largest ever event full stop since the earthquakes. It's dubbed the world's most exciting race on water, a global championship featuring nas- national teams battling it out over two days. It features the best athletes in the sport. Think Blair Chook, Peter Burling, Josh Jr., Andy Maloney, Liv Mackay, racing F50s that can reach speeds of up to 100 kilometres per hour. 
an exciting couple of months on the card for Cantab, so go get amongst. And that was my hot take for this Frankie's fill in five. What's going on in Canterbury? It's Saturday the 28th of Jan. The Great Kiwi Beer Festival is back. This needs little explanation other than the fact it's at Hagley today. The last weekend of the Bread and Circus Buskers Festival is on. The three main stages along the Oxford Terrace and the CBD, dozens of acts. I've been myself now a couple of times and it doesn't disappoint. There's the Lunar New Year celebrations to welcome the Year of the Rabbit at Tūranga from roughly 1pm this afternoon. Excuse me. Uh, That is the library for those wondering. Uh, Summer theatre is on at the Botanic Gardens called How's That? The Complete History of Cricket. I'm intrigued by this one. It's a new local comedy that rattles through 200 years of history in 80 minutes of cricket. Flippers and floaters, googlies, golden duck slippers and sliders. Interesting. All outdoors, packed full of songs and silliness apparently. Performance times at the weekend from 2 till 6.30pm and Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays from 6.30. If you go, let me know. Uh, Tomorrow it's the Pegasus Bay Wine Run, sounds like a bit of me, and the Summer Sundays Jazz on the Lawn at the Archery Lawn in the CBD. How good, plenty to see and do here in Christchurch this weekend. Well, athletic season is full steam ahead and 18 months will roughly out from the Paris Olympics. The 2023-2024 seasons are crucial for some of our up-and-comers looking to make their mark. One who's been doing that in spades is our top male sprinter, Tian Welpton, who joins us now. Good morning, Tian. How are you? Very good, thanks, Jordan. That's good. Now, I understand some congratulations are in order following some incredible results in the 100 metres last weekend. Fill me in. Yes, absolutely. I was pretty happy to um, open the way I did at Potts, managing to equal my PB and resident record twice, both in the heat and the final. God, and for those at home, can you just explain what a resident record is? And for those wondering how fast you ran, it was 10.18. Am I correct, Jan? <laughs> yes, that's correct, yeah. So a resident record is essentially the quickest time run by a New Zealander in New Zealand. So the outright record... Um, could be run anywhere in the world. And at the moment, it's held by uh, New- another New Zealander, Eddie Osain Kishia, and he ran that over in America. But the resident record is the quickest time by New Zealander in New Zealand, and that's 10.18. Uh, and I managed to run that last year in Hawke's Bay uh, and then managed to run that again this year twice in Hawke's Bay uh, with a 10.18 uh, in the heats and a 10.18 in the final. Uh, however, this time around with a Less of a wind, less of a tailwind. So conditionally, uh, it's even better than it was last season. Oh, my God. And what are the odds that it's exactly the same time? I mean, how are you, I guess, at this point of your season very early on, how are you feeling about that too? That must be a really good start. Yes, I don't know the odds. It must be some some sort of statistical quirk because it's the same track that I ran the 10.18 on last year as well. So three times now on that track. I'm starting to wonder if maybe the timing equipment just can't go any lower. (laughs) <laughs> now I spoke to you before Christmas when Olympic qualifying times came out cause, so everyone's listening is aware in order for Tian to qualify automatically for Paris the Olympics next year he needs to run 10 seconds flat so we're not far off but how hard is it Tian to shave those little milliseconds oh it's certainly not easy and it gets exponentially harder as you go lower and lower in the times going from 10.4 to 10.3 not so tough Going from 10-2 to 10-1, a lot tougher. So definitely lots of work to put in, definitely lots of the little things, just the one percenters, um, and it's all going to fall onto my shoulders, essentially. I've just got to put in the hard work and um, see how we go. 
how hard is it as well on New Zealand surfaces? And I guess how do our running surf or sprint tracks compare to those around the world? Because you say Eddie ran that incredible time, but that was in the state. So how do our tracks compare to those around the world? Yeah, so we don't. We unfortunately in New Zealand we don't have any really quick tracks or any really good tracks for the sprints. Um, I think that's pretty easy to see uh, as the you know the reason record being ten one eight. That's the quickest time that's ever been run here by New Zealanders. So uh, yeah, unfortunately our tracks not very not known for their speediness. Um, also, all our tracks are at sea level, which uh, plays a big role as well in sprints because the higher you go up in altitude, uh, the quicker you can run with less air resistance. Uh, and as well, just uh, it's not very hot here, and we're always at the mercy of the weather. And New Zealand tends to be a very windy place, as you know. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say our tracks are world-class for sprinting, but uh, it's what I've got to work with, and I'm going to make the best of it. Gosh, that, it's so interesting, all the variables that go on behind the scenes to get a time like that. I guess um, for this income, like for this season ahead of us, what... What are your goals? Obviously, 10 seconds flat's the ultimate goal, but in terms of step-by-step till then, what is sort of your process from here on out? Yeah, so step-by-step, I was very much looking to take attempts off my average times from last season. Last season, I was running consistent sort of 10 twos. Uh, The goal this season is very much to slip into consistent 10 ones. Uh, And so far, I've managed to do that really well. I've run a 10-1-4 at Lovelock, right before Potts as well. So I've got three 10.1 times so far this season. Uh, and I'm hoping to continue that streak uh, when I head to ITM uh, in roughly a month or so. Yeah, I was g- just getting to that, actually. That obviously, the international track meet's coming up mid-Feb. What, what, how big is that event in, for you athletes? And I guess what does it mean to be able to compete in such a big event at home? Yes, it's a real big deal for us because it's a bronze event, which is the highest tier event that we have available to us in New Zealand. Uh, that along with uh, the Sir Graham Douglas meet, which is up in Auckland, is also bronze. So lots of good points available for us to, to try and get those world rankings. I believe it's 60 points if you win. Uh, so, yeah, very important. And for me, it's fantastic because I live two minutes from the track. So I get to sleep in my own bed and I can sleep in, wake up, do my normal morning routine, and then just uh, head down to the track whenever I'm ready to go. Oh, how good. And do you plan to head overseas or anything um, and, and try and get in some competitions? I know you were saying that sort of, you know, you would love to, but that it, it comes off your own bat. So have you had any further discussions or plans to head offshore? Absolutely, yes. I've, I've just got an invitation to go to a meet in Melbourne, which is a uh, IWF gold meet. So that's the probably the biggest meet of the season uh, in the whole Oceania area. Um, they're only inviting you know, a very certain amount of people, so I was very fortunate to get an invite to go run that. Uh, so I'll definitely be heading to Melbourne. There's a silver meet in Brisbane that I'll be heading to as well, so definitely going to go across the ditch to Australia. They've, they've got uh, some pretty good tracks and some good weather over there, as well as some other quick runners, which will hopefully be able to push me to some better times. So uh, definitely heading over to Aussie. The plan is also potentially to head over to Europe sometime, However, that's still very much up in the air, and, and, and as you know, that's obviously incredibly expensive as well, so I'll have to maybe get a few more modelling jobs before that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dion, thank you so much for your time this morning. I can't wait to follow you over the next 18 months. An incredible start to the season. Congratulations, and we'll chat soon.
No worries. Thank you so much, Jordan. Hope you have a wonderful day. Well, now to the panel, proudly sponsored by Malray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. And a big warm welcome to this morning's panellists, former sports journalists, now Canterbury Rugby, head of engagement among many other sports hats around New Zealand, George Berry, and sport pundit and a bit of an analyst, Matt Hay. Thanks for joining us this morning. Firstly, big news this morning, gents. Concrete has been poured at the stadium. Thoughts, feels? We'll start with you, Matt. Oh, it's very exciting. Um, obviously, there's been a big hole in our city without that big stadium. So um, the sooner it's done, the better. Very much looking forward to it. And I'll be great. It's driving past this day, going to work. It looks fantastic. So can't wait. George, you'll have an opinion on this. Oh, maybe Elton John will have to come back again, won't he? We'll get, uh, <laughs> uh, it's just a pretty good night there uh, during the week. But, uh, yeah, I can't wait to have some uh, rugby and, and, and all sorts of stuff there, beer festivals and bits and pieces that are going to be really, really fun. I'm not sure. Obviously, there's a bit of a change to probably what uh, NPC and FPC rugby is going to look like in the future, so I'm, I'm not actually sure whether there'll be a heap of those sorts of Canterbury games played there, but, uh, yeah, I can't wait to you know, be watching the All Blacks or watching the Crusaders and things like that inside that stadium. It's just going to be great fun. Yeah, I was at Alton too, and doesn't everyone that knows me know about it? I've been posting left, right and centre, but you can't help but, f- like, being there earlier in the week is when you really realise how much of a hole we have without a proper stadium. Um, it was just, you, you can only imagine what it would be like. Um, but now, anyway, into the <laughs> into the sport. Obviously, Super Rugby's ramping up, George, um, pre-season well and truly underway. How are things going at Rugby Park? What can you give us? Is there any inside scoops? Uh, well, the All Blacks are back. That's been uh, probably the interesting thing this week to see Fletcher Newell and Sam Whitelock and David Havili and those boys are all back training with the Crusaders. Uh, they had a camp during the week, but they're all back in with the Crusaders uh, this week. So yeah, all of a sudden the squad's gone from about 25 to a of academy players. So you didn't really know who some of them were to all of a sudden 40, 45 guys. And uh, yeah, everyone's looking pretty fit. So, uh, yeah, we're looking pretty exciting from that perspective. I think they've got a pre-season game on, uh, when is it, February 10 down in Weston, the old Farmans Cup. So, uh, yeah, going to be exciting for Crusaders to take on Highlanders in a couple of weeks down there. And uh, obviously Mutter too as well. They're actually training out at Lincoln um, and got a fair bit going on too. So, uh, yeah, they're looking pretty good, looking very, very sharp, and, and especially off the back of last year's World Cup. Uh, it's pretty exciting times for Blair Baxter and Whitney Hanson and all the coaches in there and, and uh, all the ladies. And I guess the thing with the Crusaders is there's a number of players who have you know, been around now a long time who are expected to bow out or head offshore after the World Cup. Is there a sense that this is sort of like this year is a bit of an end of an era? Oh, I'm not sure, really. I, yeah, it could be. I guess there'll, there'll still be lots of questions around uh, who who the coach will be for next year. I know, you know uh, there's a lot of chat around this being raises last year. Um, but yeah, interesting. I, I caught up with Richie Moonga and, and actually Sam Whitelock yesterday at the uh, the long run going around Melbourne and Rugby Park, and both of them just looked really excited. Um, and, and you know, to be back and wearing Crusaders colours. So the, the, there wasn't a lot of chat about it. I don't know if it's really been acknowledged. Um, I'm sure everyone just wants to win as per normal, regardless of what the other motivation is, whether you're leaving or staying or all that sort of stuff. But no doubt it'll get pumped up a fair bit uh, throughout the year. That's for sure. Mm. Matt, I know you follow all things sport. The All Blacks were in town this week for a semi-undercover, not really undercover, just not open to us, uh, the media training camp. How do you, I guess, rate their chances heading into the World Cup that is now fast approaching? Well, it's really interesting because of the way um, 
World Rugby do their draws and their draw pooling. And I think it comes down to that quarterfinal. So I actually give them a pretty good chance. I think France in the pool could be an advantage because they have that sort of massive hit out. Um, you know, win or loss, they're going to play Ireland or South Africa. So I think that'll prime them really nicely. And it almost um, just brings the, the knockout game forward a wee bit. That quarterfinal, I think the winner of um, you know France... South Africa, Ireland, New Zealand that goes through is, is going to have a great chance to, to go all the way. So I actually rate their chances reasonably highly and it's going to come down to, to like most World Cups. It's going to be one or two games and I think there's been an unpredictable nature. While All Blacks haven't been consistent, I don't think anyone's been overly consistent. So I'll give them as good a chance as anyone and <clears throat> players. So yeah, I think, I think they'll be all right. Perhaps more immediate, the White Ferns are at, got a World Cup touchdown in South Africa ready for, you know, theirs this week, led by Ben Sawyer with the help of Mornay Morkel. Um, how important do you think that local knowledge will be when it comes to knowing those overseas wickets, Matt? Oh, I think Mornay Morkel add a lot to the environment in terms of just um, fresh ideas. I think sometimes in New Zealand there's sort of a lot of that same idea um, approach seems pretty pretty similarly. So I think for a start, like he's going to have great local knowledge because I, I was reading this week that I don't think like Ben Sawyer has much idea of what any of the wickets going to play like any of the ground, especially with different altitudes and stuff like that. So I think um, Mornay will add a lot uh, in, in that space, but also just challenge some ways of thinking. And South Africans are generally pretty pretty direct, which I think will, will be really good in that environment too to to challenge them and try and extend. Um, some of their skill sets, which I mean, it's a pretty experienced group now, so I think it'd be really good. Um, just something different for them. We've also been talking this morning about the women's IPL and news this week, the team selling for near one billion New Zealand dollars. Have you got Wee Ella a cricket bat and have you been down at the down at the <laughs> nets with her getting her ready? <laughs> uh well she's got she's got a golf club, not a cricket bat yet, but um oh look it's pretty exciting that women's IPL um just you can see there's some of the, the girls at the cricket club that are in the draft and, and things like that and not quite sure how it's gonna go being the first time but I think it's just uh the first step, and, and probably almost like when um, Simmons has done, where it's become a, a pinnacle event, and, and athletic, um, talented young women will want to get into cricket and play it because there's some really cool things at the end of the line. So hopefully this could be a massive game changer for, for cricket and, and the product of women's cricket. So haven't got a cricket bat yet, but um, hey, we don't know yet. She's shown strong <laughs> signs throwing, so maybe yeah, maybe that sort of format could be good fielding. <laughs> and for those wondering, Matt's got a wee daughter called Ella. Now, George, do you think the investment in women's cricket is only going to strengthen other sports too? Like, using rugby as an example, obviously, we've got a couple of local players who are now in the UK and Aussie thinking Liv McGovern and Nina. But do you see, you know, that investment in the IPL sort of filtering down to other sports to show them what's possible? Oh, I think there's absolute lot of interest in, in female sport. There's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, where people can take it to and convert it, I guess that'll be the interesting thing. And it's really about um, probably trying to build the base at the same time as well because there, there's a, so much of it that we've watched lately. And if I think back to, you know, the Women's Rugby World Cup of late, you know, that was amazing, absolutely amazing sport to watch. Quite a different game to the men's. But unless you uh, continue to build the base and do the things like obviously we're trying at Canterbury Rugby and things like that, uh, the the thought process around it, or all of a sudden you'll start to see games that probably aren't as skillful. You know, remember we've got you, the Women's Rugby World Cup. You had you know 100, 200 of the best women in the world playing that sport, and that was the showcase every week. If we drop down a couple of levels, is that same excitement there? It's possibly not. 
yet, not due to any fault of other than the fact that just you know uh, it hasn't been developed and hasn't had as much time put into it. But absolutely, there'll be commercial sponsorship coming to it, which will add more money, which will help grow the game and and. Uh, keep it in the spotlight and, and get lots of interest. And uh, yeah, if you go back to the old saying, if she can see it, she can be it. Uh, well, the more a woman's sport that's uh, on television and in the media and those sorts of things, then hopefully the um, you know, only good things can come of it. George, are you convinced that the FIFA Women's World Cup will get similar traction, I guess, from the New Zealand public or backing, I guess, that we did for the Women's Rugby World Cup? Obviously, that's fast approaching too. And we obviously just had... USA in the country playing a couple of like warm up games. Like, do you do you think it'll get the same sort of, uh, yeah, I guess backing? Yeah, that's a great question. I think if you look back to that game the other day in in Wellington, the, you know the biggest crowd that uh, women's uh, football's had uh, in New Zealand ever. I, I think, and I could be don't quote me on it, fifteen and a half thousand or something like that. So, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Are we going to fill up uh, you know, Eden Park with? 45,000 or 40,000 that it was for uh, Women's Rugby World Cup. I'm not sure that we're there yet. So that'll be an interesting thing from a, from a you know, Kiwi perspective and New Zealand perspective. But uh, you know, I guess the key is you know, why are we comparing them if they are two different sports? And you know, rugby kind of is a little bit of the national game, I suppose, at the moment and, and already has that level of attention. Uh, is it fair to compare them or is it just the key part just to celebrate both? Mm. Uh, now, Matt, this can, you can have a couple of things for this question if you wish, but we've got so many pinnacle events happening in 2023. What are the ones or one you're most looking forward to and why? Oh, probably the two, um, or the Rugby and Cricket World Cup at the end of the year. I think that the ODI World Cup in India could be a really exciting World Cup, just looking at the wickets produced for the, I suppose, the series we've had in the last week. Um, it's going to be high scoring. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be... I think it's almost like, probably like the rugby, there's going to be people, if you look around the teams, these sort of guys coming to the end of their, I suppose, time in the sun. So um, for New Zealand, it's a massive World Cup because it's probably going to be the last major global event for um, a lot of the top players. Probably Australia are going to lose a couple too. India, a few older guys. So it's, it's going to be really exciting. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. There's probably already all the pressure on India. Um, after the way they're playing at the moment, home conditions. So it's, that's going to be interesting in itself to see how they cope with that. And I think that's the one I'm looking forward to the most, to be fair. And then the Rugby World Cup's obviously going to be exciting because the All Blacks have had a um, pretty disruptive, turbulent four-year period. So that's going to be really interesting to see how, how that plays out. Um, and, and I suppose France being the favourite, um, haven't won a World Cup, so that, that's exciting as well. Mm, what about you, George? Oh, probably a bit more local. God's Zone is a big one for me in a couple of weeks. I just love heading out in the bush and seeing uh, some amazing athletes. A lot of people that you know, aren't professional athletes go at it for uh, seven or eight days in the middle of nowhere with a lack of sleep. That's always an exciting thing for me. And I guess the other one will be Sail GP coming to Christchurch. Um, yeah, that's, that's going to be an amazing couple of days out in Littleton Harbour and ripping around. And you know, the F1 of, uh, of sailing, as they talk about it at the moment, they're probably too... Uh, real soon events too, both of them end of February, start of March, and then March for sale GP, so that's probably my, on my short horizon anyway. You took my next question completely out of my mouth because I was going to ask, <laughs> like, we've been talking this morning about all of the exciting things coming up locally in the next couple of months as well. Um, do you kind of get a sense that Christchurch is finally coming back to some sort of normal? I mean, I know we love the Crusaders, but 
for a while there, it felt like one of the only things there was to cover, and now there's no shortage of options. But, you know, the funny thing about that, when I, I remember when I came back to New Zealand, uh, when was that, 2013, into 2014, and I remember telling all my mates that, you know, Christchurch, right, give it a couple of years and Christchurch will be back, it'll be awesome, and we'll have this new stadium, and, uh, you know, we'll have all these things, metro sports facilities, and all that sort of stuff, and I almost choke on my cereal every morning when I think about, buddy, where, where the metro sports facilities up to, or, or the lack of stadiums, so... Yeah, but but absolutely, there's there's other ways people have got around other events and worked out how to how to create those things. So you you know it doesn't have to be rugby all the time. Uh, or you know there's a fantastic uh, Hagley Oval which took lots and lots of effort to get uh, by yeah, by a number of people. But you know we've had some amazing cricket uh, played there lately and and over the last few years with the World Cup and bits and pieces and football's coming and that sort of stuff. So yeah, absolutely, I think Christchurch is is really starting to stand up again, but. Yeah, how, how much better is it going to be when we've got the stadium and you know, the Metro Sports Facilities hasn't got some idiots running it and, and having the diving pool dropping uh, through the shingle and all those other things that we, we all knew about at the start. Funny thing is, you know, I, I was at the press conference when uh, they announced the Metro Sports Facility in the middle of a car park, which it still is now, and John Key saying to Jerry Brownlee, gee, you don't get much for $250 million, do you, Jerry? Well, I think they're probably up to about $500 million and we still don't have it, so... Um, yeah, good on both governments for now, isn't it? I was joking about that the other t- day too. The amount of sod turnings I've been to for sports grounds that haven't yet even been completed, that was supposed to be years ago. Honestly, my camera roll is just full of these random sod turnings. But hey, it looks like we're getting somewhere concrete at the stadium. It's a hell of a good start. It's good to see. Um, George and Matt, thank you so much for your time this morning. That was the panel proudly sponsored by Malray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. And that's it for the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner this week. The mail runs up next, and this afternoon, catch the good oil live from the Karaka Yearling Sales. And tonight from 9pm, live commentary of the Aussie Open women's final between Ribikina and Sabalenka. I've been your host, Jordan Oppert, filling in for Frankie. I'm back next weekend too, so we'll catch you then. Bye.
harder I try, I can't forget you. The more I learn, the less I know. If this is a feeling, then I want it to go. Cause you're larger than life. It's how I remember you. The harder I try, I can't forget you. The more I learn, the less I know. If this is a feeling, then I want it to go. Cause you're larger than life. It's how I remember you. The harder I try, I can't forget you. The more I learn, the less I know.